If Maury supported the show, I'd be less sick of podcasts. Yeah, there goes. The blubbity bar. Sending out good vibes. But I do microdose, you know, to just align my my intellect, emotional will, so that when I take action, the the best version of myself can be produced at that time. Okay, guys, welcome back to the Grimerica Show. Uh, we're going to be chatting with Thomas Hatsis again a little bit later. Of course, he was on a couple hundred episodes ago. Was it a year ago? Did it end up being? Two years ago, I yeah. can't remember. We looked at it anyway. We looked it up, and he's back talking about witches and shrooms and riding brooms and all that sort of fun stuff. Turn my gate back up. And it, uh, it is a real fun episode. Thomas is always welcoming Great America, and we always have a fun time. You know, it's fun. There's a certain type of guest that find, find uh, seem to fit right into our casual style here, and we just have a ruckus. Thomas is one of those guys, so we had a blast. And, of course, we got... Uh, the one and only, Graham. I got banned from PayPal Dunlop. How's it going, buddy? <laughs> hey, buddy. That wasn't me. Welcome to the show. No, it wasn't you. Welcome to the show. Welcome You're to the welcoming show. me to my own show? Yeah. Thanks. To our show. <laughs> yeah, we got some big news. You want to jump right into it or what? We can say like this is our little intro segment and the mm. interview with Thomas is later on. But we did have a bit of a scare yesterday. We might as well just jump right into that, I guess, and yeah, get we into our a, little housekeeping segment, and then we can go through some listener emails and synchronicities and stuff later. Little housekeeping segment with our little emails. Should I just start? Should I read the email they sent? Well, like, sure, however you want to start. However I want to start it. Yeah, this is well, mainly just, your story. And I was driving. I'm just going to interject. And stuff. You're going to interject, yeah. interrupt, inject crap, interrupt, and ask questions. So I was driving along, driving along in my car yesterday in my truck, and uh, stopped at a red light. I check email, press the button, comes up. I get. I see the. I see the subject line, um, in the email from PayPal. And uh, where is it here? Now I can't find the email. I've sent a lot of emails since then. Uh, okay, so I'm driving along, driving along. So you didn't get a notification because you turned your notifications off finally? That's right. I don't get notifications <laughs> anymore. Um, where the fuck did it go? And I get bugs for not being able to find emails. Oh, yeah, here it is. So the email comes in. The subject line is, you can no longer do business with PayPal. And bear in mind, this is like... <clears throat> Three days after I released the episode where I'm bitching about PayPal censoring people. Yeah. Um, so I got and be- it was I think it was just after a Jay Dyer episode, which got pretty yeah, that's deep one. into yeah, yeah uh, into censorship and stuff. Yeah, exactly. So man, there's something going on with your mic. It's a little hot or something. There's a buzz. Uh, it's both of ours, I think. Since uh, yours is the same. So anyway, immediately I think it's a scam. I assume it's a scam. Um, oh, you assumed it was a scam right away. 
Yeah, that at was first your initial. I said, my initial thing, was like, I have a couple things I do to check if things are scams. I click on the email a couple times to get done because sometimes they'll put like fake email aliases in front of it to make it look like it's from PayPal. But if you keep following it down, it'll be some weird address. Are you supposed to not click on the email when you think it's a scam? No, you're not supposed to log in and fucking give them your password and stuff. Well, yeah, because it comes with a login to PayPal button. Is it obvious for you? Haven't you been burned a couple of times? No, no, you never got fished. I catch them. Do you? Yeah. You send them to me. (laughs) So, um, so I get this. I'll read it. It says you can no longer do business with PayPal. After a review, we've decided to permanently limit your account as we found potential risk associated with it. You will not be able to conduct any further business using PayPal. If you have money in your PayPal balance, we'll hold it for up to 180 days. After that period, we'll email you with information on how to access your funds. We regret any inconvenience this may cause. So the six months they say they want to hold your money for? Yeah. So um, so it's not even just that they would stop stuff from going in your account. They're actually freezing the money that you have in there. Mm-hmm. You can't touch the money you got. So... First thing I think is it's, it's got to be a scam. Yeah. But it's got like this reference ID and everything in the it title. It legit. looks pretty legit. I'm like, ah, it must be a scam. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to go and try and buy something with my PayPal account. So I go and I try and buy something with the PayPal. pops up. Your PayPal account has been, um, your PayPal account has been, been, has been declined. Declined, okay. I'm like, well, that's weird. Shouldn't be declined. Go check the app. Sure enough, there's money in there. Okay, that's test one. Test two, I call a couple friends of the show, ask them to go to the website and try and subscribe through PayPal. They go on, try and subscribe. They get a message that they can't subscribe because it's a restricted PayPal account. Um, Of course, I have screenshots of all this stuff. And then, uh, so then I actually went into, once I figured out that our PayPal account was actually restricted, I phoned PayPal, sat on hold for like half an hour, Talked to some lady I could barely understand, and she couldn't why, tell me. Why couldn't you understand her? She was just really hard to understand. Thick fuzzy accent. Fuzzy on the phone. Fuzzy or? and accent. Yeah. It's like you guys are a billion-dollar company, and you yeah. fucking got the worst fucking phones on the planet. And yeah. Everyone else, you can hear everyone else talking in the back. Oh, no. <laughs> really? It's like a big call center, right? Yeah. So I talked to her, and she can't, she can't tell me anything, just that. But she confirms that, yeah, your account's fucking frozen. Yeah. I can't help you. I thought they hung up on you. Well, then she's like, I'm like, well, what do you mean you can't help me? I was like, I need to know what's going on here. I was like, this is kind of a big deal for me. And she's like, okay, well, uh, let me put you on hold. <laughs> and I'll, and I'll, I'll escalate it to the next. I'll put you on hold. We'll be back in just a minute. Yeah. Like, okay, go on hold. 20 minutes later, I'm still on hold. And like, this has got to the point where I've parked my truck. I'm past the, the point of driving someplace. I've parked my truck, and now I'm like, Walking around on hold, yeah, of and waiting and stopping keep... before I can go to my, where I'm supposed to be because I'm thinking they're going to come on any minute. Yeah, I said, click, nothing, <laughs> shuts off. Up. Yeah, they just hung up on me. <laughs> like, okay, this is not a good sign. So I'm like, okay, well now I know my pay. They PayPal has confirmed that my PayPal account is suspended. Our, our, PayPal. our PayPal account is suspended. Well, it's your podcast. I mean, my PayPal. <laughs> um, so. Now I've confirmed that the, it's a legit email on our PayPal's. You know, I've, I've tried to spend money. I can't do it. I've tried to get money. I can't do it. And I've talked to PayPal on the phone and they've told me my, our account's suspended. So I, uh, 
I'm like, okay, I'm going to click the button on the email now. And so then it logs us into my PayPal account where it says, you need to click here to, you need to update a setting so that we can fix your account. I'm like, oh, great. It's something fucking, it's some silly fucking like a glitch. glitch. Press the thing. Boom. Your account's banned. You can no longer do business with PayPal. Your account's permanently limited. So it's basically the exact same message that's in the email. So now I'm starting to worry because, you know, not right now, 90% of our income is through PayPal. Yeah. And all our bills come out of PayPal. And more like it's basically all of like our bills come out of all PayPal. All our monthly expenses, everything just flows through PayPal, basically. Yeah, except for a few things that aren't. But we don't really have another system in place other than like paying for it ourselves. Um, so then I'm like, okay, I call PayPal back. By the way, if you're listening, Super Chat still works, motherfuckers. Um, so I call PayPal back, talk to another guy, and uh, I explain the the situation to him. And he's like, he. This guy seems a little. He's an Irish guy. He seems a little more like he a cares. More on, he like, seems like he's a little more switched on. He cares a little more. And I'm like, you know, it's a big deal for me. Like, I need to know if I'm switching or what I'm doing here. I need to know what's going on fast, like now, today. Yeah. And he's like, okay. And he's like, yeah. All I can see here is that your account's been limited. He's like, I don't know if it's from a payment you made or he's like, something has happened here. And your account's limited. Nothing I can do about it. I'm like, okay. He's like, well, all I can do is maybe I can go to my higher ups. So he's like, I'll tell you what. <laughs> he puts me on hold for a while. And then he comes back on. He's like, okay, I'll tell you what. He's like, what's your phone number? So I give him my phone number. Um, and he's like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to call you back within an hour. Or my supervisor, someone's going to call you back within an hour. So an hour goes by, nothing. Two hours, nothing. Really? Yeah. And so then I'm, uh, I was waiting, waiting for a meeting. I was there early for a meeting on site. So I'm like, okay. So I go on Twitter and I just like tweet PayPal. And I'm like, really, bro? And they DM me. And they're like, what's up? And I'm like, you guys, I'll pull up the Twitter account here. Um, so I trolled PayPal into a response. And... In the meantime, I think you're... You know, we were connected with our community a little bit, asking for other other things, and people. you were actually connecting with other podcasters too. And we were finding out about other alternatives, alternatives, seeing if anyone else. Well, the first thing I wanted to see if it was something that was switching around. So PayPal support uh, DMs me. I DM the screenshot of the email and I say, "What the fuck?" I sat on hold for twenty minutes, and you hung up. And he says, hi, Gramerica. Thanks for contacting us on Twitter for your issue, and I'm glad to assist you. I apologize. Like bot. I apologize for the long hold. We have a huge call volume at this. We have a huge call volume this time, and we were not able to attend you. Please provide me with your PayPal email address so I can assist you better. So I give him that. I'm like, you guys Alex Jones me, didn't you? And he's like, thanks for the information. I will escalate you to a specialist, and you will receive... A response from the text available from the next available representative. Thank you for your patience. Was that was that bots? I think it's bots. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's so just then gross. it's just gross. So Give then I get so uh, then I get an email, and the email says your PayPal account access has been restored. It was about ten minutes after the. I thought you had to talk to like four people, or was that? Or it's still going on. It's still going okay, on. Okay. So then, so then I get the thing. Ten minutes after the Twitter exchange. I get the thing that says, your PayPal account access has been restored. Hello, Grimerica. Our review is complete, and we have restored your account. 
But if you remember, the text in the first email says after a review. No, I know, I know. It's just so it's, it's not like review. they've started a review and then it's finished, and it's a standard thing. This says they reviewed and says that we're no good and we're bad. Then they email, and I'm, I'm, I, I, part of me thinks it's because we have 50,000 fucking Twitter followers and they don't want to start a problem. Like, I don't know, if we have 100 followers and I start tweeting with them, does it, or is it just a coincidence? I don't know. Anyway, we appreciate your patience and thank you for your help in making PayPal the safest and most trusted online payment <laughs> solution. Um, so anyway, I start calling PayPal again because I need to know what happened. Well, yeah, you'd like to know if this is going to happen So again, I, I right? talked to another guy. I sit on hold again for another half an hour last night. No way, really? On my way home from work. And then I, I start talking to a guy, and he's like, well, you know, you're back on, so you should be happy. I think you're going to be just fine here. And, you know, he's throwing all these, like, you know, could be this, could be that. Probably, you know, it was probably a mistake, or maybe it was a – it has something to do – first, it had something to do with the payment we received. We haven't got any big payments. I mean, the biggest payment we've gotten the last week is 20 bucks. So, and then it was, oh, it was just an error. And then, you know, you're going to be okay. And then we hang up the phone. That was when I text you and I was like, apparently it's a, an error or it's something to do with a payment. So it's still not sitting well with me because I've talked to three or four people at this point and no one can tell me what happened. What's, what happened. So today I get a tweet from PayPal again. Or a direct message on Twitter. Um, I'm happy to hear the limitation has been resolved. It sounds like the limitation was placed in error. You shouldn't have any issues moving forward. I said, can I get a confirmation that it was an error? That isn't something we'd send to you. The limitation would simply be removed from the account. Yeah, they just can't tell you anything. So End of that, transmission. What, what? When did it come in that we they found out that we weren't selling goods or something? Like oh, that, that was so. That was the the guy, the same guy that first that told me it was an error and it had something to do with the payment we received. Then was like, well, what do you sell? And I was like, we don't sell anything. And he's like, well, what are people sending you money? What are people subscribed to you for? Why do they care? Why does that matter? And I, I was understand. like, well, we have a fucking podcast, man. And he's like, oh, and then he's like, I'm going to put a note on your account. <laughs> and what am I making a fucking payment arrangement for my cable bill here? Honestly, that's what it seemed like. I don't know. The whole thing really seemed it's either um, PayPal is extremely fucking inept or they didn't want a problem. Because, I mean, some of our Twitter followers are pretty loyal and they immediately started tweeting PayPal and bitching and complaining. There's, it's still happening now. I mean, you know, is social pressure, is that what it was? Was it a coincidence? Or is it just a glitch? Or did we reach some sort of uh, level or something? Or, or were they really just trying to, to, like, was it a warning shot? If I don't, I mean, send, if I don't make why five would they phone even calls do that? Like, and keep harassing it. them, do, they, do we just turn back on or did it take that? Like as any kind of sorry, what was that? What if? Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. But any company that you're doing business with, why would they just do that without even an explanation or anything? Like you'd think they'd give you a heads up for one thing, but after they do it, you think they would say, "This is exactly why." What if we had like? What if we had our contacted the cabin money in there? Yeah, and it was frozen. That would fuck up our whole trip in May. 
the Randall Carlson thing, like all that mm-hmm. would have been fucked. Yeah, that's just it. Unless, I mean, unless of course we got out of it, but some people probably don't get out of it. Oh, that. Well, so this is the next thing. So while this is all going on, I'm like Googling PayPal froze my account. And it's just fucking thread after thread story after, after horror thread story? of horror stories. Of That's people, just disgusting. Of people like, I just took in $70,000 in pre-sales and PayPal just froze it. I can't fucking produce That's the crazy. things I need to sell my That's customers. crazy. People that are actually selling items. Yeah. And a lot of the resolve is that you can convince PayPal to refund the people their money. And that's it. You don't mm-hmm. get your money again. So, I mean, the whole thing has been a huge wake-up call for it. Yeah, we talked about it before. Like, what are we going to do if that ever happens? And we're trying to, you know, plan something, a backup plan, have something something else on the go. Yeah, it's scary because when it happens, we're we're just in limbo because we don't have access. So it's not like we can go get legal representation and try and get our money. It's not like we can do anything because any funds that we have are frozen, including our hosting bills and stuff like that start to bounce because PayPal won't pay them. And we end up in this thing where we need to scramble and we're not sure what we're going to do. All we know now is that now that this has happened, it's kind of been a real fire drill on how unprepared we are to be shut off by PayPal. Yeah. Yeah. And it's in a way, it's a good thing. I could, in a way, it's a, another one of these blessing in disguises, I think, because it's going to force us to to do something about it and to come up with a, a decent alternative. So, I mean, guys like uh, Greg Carwood at the Higher Side Chats, they have a different thing they use. Um What's it called again? Stripe. Stripe. Oh, and, by the way, speaking he, of Greg Carwood, huge shout out to Greg Carwood, who, you know, I know a few people said he mentioned it in his uh, joint session last night, and I know he re- recorded an outro for his show that he released yesterday, the day it happened. Yeah. He released an episode, and he had a nice little... Uh, well, thing, nice little shout out. Nice little shout out at the end about what happened and showing some support and... Uh, Huge things there. Head over to the Higher Side Chats, guys, of course, if you haven't already, and sub up there and, and support Greg over there. And, uh, <clears throat> yeah, so anyway, what we've come up with is that um, we're going to keep the PayPal open until the end of November. We're not going to close the PayPal, but we're not – at the end of November, we're going to shut down the option to subscribe for a monthly support option via PayPal. <laughs> If you already have a monthly support option, it'll keep working just fine. Um, but we're going to shut that PayPal down, one down for a little while anyway. Um, and we might bring it, we might even bring the PayPal button back if we don't have any trouble for a while. But what we're going to do is we're going to shut that PayPal down for now. No, no, no. Just no, the button. The, so you can't the, monthly subscribe through PayPal for a while. We're going to put the Stripe up there. We're going to put the Patreon up there, and we're going to focus on all our new subscribers for the next little while using those. Using Stripe. Using but Stripe. Basically, to, to, for the monthly subscription, you can only use one or the other. We can't have both on our site. We can only have yeah, there's either a restriction PayPal that you or can't Stripe. Have, you can't have PayPal and Stripe. It's we, a big you you can around. still do one, one-time donations via PayPal, but yeah, the, you can't do both. The, so. the, the, yeah, the, the paypal.me slash Grimerica address will still work for one-time donations. At this time, anyway, and I mean that might they might shut us off at one time, but at this time right now, if you go to PayPal.me/slash/Grimerica, you can do one-time donation. Yeah, and until November thirtieth, you can sign up for a monthly through PayPal. Still, we decided we'd run it to the end of the month because there is still a ton of people that only use PayPal. Yeah, and uh, we don't have enough support to tell those people to fuck off. Um, so right now, we're going to give you guys to the end of the month. If PayPal is the only way you're willing to support the show, 
you need to go sign up for a monthly before the end of November. Because as of December 1st, it's going to be Stripe and Patreon are the only monthly options to yeah. support. Because yeah. I, I was able to switch the Patreon payout to a direct deposit instead of into the PayPal. So that makes Patreon somewhat self-standing and it makes Stripe self-standing. And, and the idea here is that eventually um, we're hoping we can drum up enough support on all three platforms to sort of have an equal footing so, yeah. so that yeah. we can. And, you know, and if you know of a couple other platforms, I mean, we're not big on cryptos here just because they're, they're too hard to get people to send you. We have the crypto option, but um, if you know of any other like credit card processors and things like that, that, you know, are handy and reputable that we should look at as well. Send us an email, let us know, uh, because I think we, we've reached the point that it's abundantly clear that, you know, it's if we don't start preparing now, we might end up fucked. So we, we need to get to the point where we have four or five different options to get paid and all, all of them need to be in use so that if one of them shuts off at any given time, we still have, we, we don't shut off. Yeah. Yeah. That was a huge wake up call. I mean, if you didn't, what if you didn't, weren't so dog dogged in your, you know, pursuit of what happened? I mean, if we were a little bit smaller, I mean, we might not have even been able to get it up and running again. Like, yeah. I'm quite surprised that it, that it actually got back so quick. It Me could too. have been your Twitter. It could have been the Twitter thing, actually. Could what have. do you think about it? It could have been that pressure. But I mean, it doesn't even matter why it happened. It's just, it's gross and disgusting that it even happened. Yes. And with a big company like that, that they can just have that, that ability to just flick a switch and shut you off completely, regardless of whether you did something wrong or not, which obviously we don't think we did. No, I don't. All we're but, doing is but you never know, because we've had these, you know, these precedences with Alex Jones and the other people where PayPal has shut them down. So That's right. So, I mean, the other thing is we don't want to trigger a mass, I mean, I mean, if you don't want to be on PayPal, we understand. We'll have the new option at the end, beginning of next month. And if you want to switch to Stripe, we understand. We'll support that. But, uh, I mean, if you're on PayPal, you don't feel like you have to switch because, like we say, we want to try and switch it yeah, to an equal yeah. footing. So that yeah. means if everyone leaves PayPal and goes to Stripe and Stripe shuts us the fuck off, we're just as fucked. I don't think that'll happen, but... No, I don't think yeah. so either, but for now, we want to try and keep things even for the next little while until we get to the point where we're... I mean, we'll see where the political winds shift or where the where the where the public mood shifts. But right now it's a pretty it's a pretty sketchy time with boycotts and fucking social pressure and Yeah, we just had Jay Dyer on and his site was his site was shut down. He had to redo his whole site. And then this happens right after we had him on. I mean, and he's obviously not talking about popular popular topics. I mean, he's talking about deep state uh book reviews and stuff like that. I mean, yeah, that's right. So, yeah. Kind of so all. anyway, that's where we're at. Um, so I got a question. We've, we've both. been resolved. It seems to be okay, but we're going to do Stripe. So um, hopefully over the next couple months, we can hammer into the Stripe and get that going. Patreon's still an option as well. So, um, you know, this is why we need to have our own servers and this is why we need to be self-sufficient because right now it's the payment processors. Yeah. Nexus, then it's YouTube sometimes, and sometimes you know. Well, and it could be day, iTunes one, one day. day I it mean, might be it's... YouTube, and it might be Libsyn, and it might be fucking iTunes. So we need to get standing on our own two feet here, um, as as quickly as possible. So we put out a black budget episode the other day in our other feed, and then how does that work now with this new, with this new still the system same. and stuff? So still, still the same. So any any donation, same. we haven't migrated away from 
what's it called yet? And it's still, you know, value for value. Any donation we get uh, gives access to the black budget feed as well, right? We got yeah, quite we a few episodes in there. We're gonna be got, we're gonna be doing we're, more. We're gonna be doing we're, we're gonna be upping that black budget to almost a show a week for the foreseeable future. Well, I don't know about that. A show every two weeks, maybe at least that. Yeah. You know, we we owe you guys some content in that black yeah. budget. We realize that we're gonna spend some time making up for you. Uh, I know you guys uh, enjoy. Seem to have enjoyed the last style, and we've got a ton of content like that. We've been kind of sitting on the fence on, and now it seems like it's been a hit, so we'll roll with that, roll that out. Um, Yeah, it's been good. The next big thing is contact at the cabin. Randall Carlson's going to be visiting with us in May in Colorado, May long weekend, and the weekend before, or I guess for us Canadians, it's May long weekend. So there's a 10 day period there where there's a there's Randall doing uh, tours and stuff and talks and in a huge cabin. Uh, we want to talk about that a little bit as well because that's just uh, it's just happening. There's still some tickets left to that. Yeah, you got to get you got to email over at cac2019 at hdtravel.me. Say that again, cac2019 at hdtravel.me. Uh, it's also the the actual flyer I was able to embed into the show notes, so it'll be in the show notes on the website for this week. If you go to grandamerica.ca slash EP three one six, it'll be in the show notes. The little flyer there has a thing. Uh, I think we're about twenty percent sold out already, so it's going pretty quick. Um, the last weekend with the extra day on it is going extremely quick. So if you are looking at getting that four day weekend for the same price as the three day weekend, I think we're pretty well down to just camp spots left. So you got to get on that like right away if you want to get in there. Uh, the midweek one and the first weekend are still pretty open, so there's plenty of time left to get into those ones. Uh, of course, if you're a supporter of the show, you can buy it now. If you're not a supporter of the show, you got to wait till December 10th. Um, so yeah, May 17th to 20th, still tickets available. 20 to 23rd, still tickets available. 23rd to 27th, I believe we're down to camping only. And it's really not much. It's uh, only enough to get uh, to get Randall and them there, cover our expenses for the cabin and food and stuff like that. So it's pretty, pretty yeah, the, reasonable price. Yeah, the cabin's on 122 private acres bordering a national park. It's got a private lake and like 12 bedrooms and a game room. So it's quite a cabin. 10,000 square foot cabin in the woods. Nice. <laughs> That's right. That sounds scary, but... It does. Graham's going to do some sea setting. It'll be perfectly creepy. Anyhow, what else you got? I don't know. I got uh, some some feedback, some synchronicities. Actually, I do have one that I would like to to do for, uh, for this episode with Thomas Hatzis. We talk about magic a lot, and we talk about um, psychedelics and microdosing and magic along with microdosing it's pretty pretty interesting so magical I, I, microdosing yeah do you remember that yeah so i do have an email about about some stuff like this i want to try and find it here hmm. and now another edition of the Grime american goodies by the people for the people actually i like this little this <laughs> This little thing you've created on the website with okay. Jordan. Big shout out to Jordan. The, your your personal synchronicity rating. So, oh, you like that? Yeah. So people people write in their synchros, and then you can rate your own synchro. And this is a an eight. Excellent. I should say that right off the bat. We could go through the forums one time too and read some of the content that's building up in there. Yeah, for sure. And even in the chats too. There's a bunch of stuff. There's a bunch of rooms in the chats where you can pop stuff in as well. So, hi guys, I was listening to your chat with Joe Roop, and the timing for this chat was on point. 
I've always been interested in magic and made a deal with myself that once I finished my studies, that's September this year, and had a clean deck, so to speak, I would actively reach out and start putting into practice what I have longed to do for some time now. As I had been quite busy, I was playing catch up with your chats. And I listened to the chat with Joe in early September, and it resonated with me to the point that I decided to Google and see if there were any magical temples in Brisbane. Nothing came up. About a week later, I decided to do a tarot reading for myself. I'm not the best with cards, but still, the reading was uncannily accurate for my circumstances with the Ace of Wands, featuring prominently in the spread. The meaning of the card is in the, the enthusiastic pursuit and inspiration to go after something, which I took as my desire to seek out magical school. Once again, with new inspiration, I got on the internet and nothing jumped out. There just didn't seem to be anywhere close by, and I was starting to think that maybe I would have to look into an online course. As the cards have been pretty positive the day before, I decided to give myself another reading, just the three-card spread this time. You guessed it. There was the Ace of Wands again. And just to drive the message home and make sure I really got it, after I shuffled the deck and was putting them back into the box, a card fell onto the floor, face down. When I picked it up and turned it over, it was, of course, the Ace of Wands. I figured the universe was sending me a pretty clear message to not give up until I found out what I was looking for. I jumped on the internet for a third time, and I just couldn't believe it. I immediately found the website of a temple, which ended up only being located 15 minutes from where I live. I contacted the order and have just recently undergone my initiation. They have very few people contact them as they are quite a closed group, and they were very, very interested in how I found them. I told them about my persistent ace of wands urging me on. They said that is usually how people come to contact them, through some weird synchro. And here's the really trippy thing. The illustration on their website is none other than the Ace of Wands. Fuck, I just got the shivers. Shivers. Ooh. Huh. Wow. 7.7. That's it? Yeah. I was hoping you'd beat their own personal thing, no, but that was pretty good. That's never going to happen. I do. I got to say, I highly respect their... Uh, scoring of themselves yeah that's very rare when someone scores themselves that accurately they're all tens yeah all tens. <laughs> i noticed a bunch of tens in there <laughs> so by the way i emailed graham like months ago with a daytime photo of some weird lights in the sky just wondering if you got the email no i didn't p.s the profound ufo quote isn't very profound anymore sorry graham Ouch. But, I, but i agree with darren and brody love your work and i'll keep supporting you guys every month all the best camille so thanks a lot for that that was awesome. First, Bingo, bango. That was my first shout-out in an email. Was it? Yeah, little Brody got a shout-out. <laughs> New milestone. Holy shit. That fucking flyer I put in the show notes with the wrong fucking email address has been downloaded a thousand times. <laughs> no way. Yeah. What? Uh, uh, so what's the right email again? CAC2019 at... HDtravel.me. Okay. Fuck, I should delete that. Yeah, you should probably delete it. I'm not going to delete it right now. Well, like, speaking of the UFO quote, I think you want to jingle me up there? The non-profound UFO quote of the week? 
Darren and Graham are going deep It's a profound UFO quote of the week Words to ponder and critique It's a profound UFO quote of the week I concentrate on the science. I'm not interested in the UFOs seen by the police and military witnesses. I'm interested in the near misses that pilots report, where their aircraft nearly collide with these things. I'm interested in the visual sightings backed up by radar. I'm interested in the military bases that are overflown by these things. I'm interested in the cases where you have radiation readings on the ground. These are no lights in the sky. These are not misidentifications of fantasy-prone individuals. This is a cutting-edge technology being reported by reliable, trained observers, and it is something that goes beyond what we can do. That, to me, suggests that if it's not ours, it belongs to someone else. If that technology is better than ours, then the extraterrestrial hypothesis seems to me to be the best explanation. That was Nick Pope head of the UFO desk at the Air Secretariat 2-A British Ministry of Defense from 91 to 94. Nick and Popen. <laughs> of course, Nick Pope has been on the show. Going back a couple years now. I can tell you what number. No, I can't. It was before we numbered him. Do you want me to do another June 28th, 2014. Gramerica.ca slash Rendlesham. Was that before we were numbering the episodes? Yeah. Wow. June 28th, 2014, so we would only been like 13 months old. Oh, that's crazy. I felt like we were way older when they had Nick on. Yeah. At that time, we were only getting like a couple hundred downloads a show. No. Maybe 400, I think. No. We, we stayed at 400 for a long time. Do you think? Yeah. I don't think. You know? I know. You were paying attention back then? Yeah. In the beginning, I paid attention the most. <laughs> now I don't pay attention. How about another one quickly? Another non-profound UFO quote? Yeah. Sure. I've been asked about UFOs, and I've said publicly I thought they were somebody else, some other civilization. That's Commander Eugene Cernan, commander of the Apollo, 11, 7, Apollo 17 mission, quote from 1973 article in the Los Angeles Times. Interesting. Very. Okay. Here's my quote. The amount of violations of human rights in a country is always an inverse function of the amount of complaints about human rights violations heard from there. The greater the number of complaints being aired, the better protected are human rights in that country. Wow. That was Daniel Patrick Moynihan. You believe Moynihan? that? I think so. No, I don't believe that. I don't believe that for a fucking second. The better protect because I hear a lot of shit about Saudi Arabia and I don't think they have a great human rights record. Just saying. Oh, here's the one from uh, the big. New, you, who's the big new? You're Brzezinski. not going to do Brzezinski quotes, are you? Well, that's the big new. History is much more the product of chaos than conspiracy. I don't know. I was listening to Corbett's new thing on World War One. Mm-hmm. World War One conspiracy. I'm loving it. I think Corbett's actually doing a swap cast with the uh, conspiracy farm. Oh yeah, yeah. Anyhow, I got I got a I got an interesting one. If you want to go into the 
that type of thing. I just lost it, though, right now. That's okay. I got a quote from uh, Rockefeller in 1991, that leaked speech. Oh, yeah, let's hear it. You want to hear that guy? Okay, hang on. 91 closed-door meeting of fellow internationalists. Billionaire and former CFR like chairman David Rockefeller praised his media allies. But his confidence that his words would not leave the room was later broken. We are grateful to the Washington Post, the New York Times, Time Magazine, and other publications whose directors have attended our meetings and respected their promises of discretion for almost 40 years. It would have been impossible for us to develop our plan for the world if we had been subject to the bright lights of publicity. But the world is now more sophisticated and prepared to march toward a world government that these men aim to create a world system of financial control in private hands, able to dominate the political system of each country and the economy of the world as a whole. Here's one from Huxley. How's that, eh? <laughs> Here's Huxley. In we thank 19- you for being quiet about our global takeover. I mean, for fuck's sakes, people. Here's Huxley in 62. There will be in the next generation or so a pharmacological method of making people love their servitude. People love their servitude and producing dictatorship without tears, so to speak. Producing a kind of painless concentration camp for entire societies <laughs> so that people will in fact have their liberties taken away from them, but will rather enjoy it because they will be distracted from any desire to rebel by propaganda or brainwashing or brainwashing enhanced by pharmacological methods. And this seems to be the final revolution. And enjoy this, ch- this chat about psychedelics <laughs> and microdosing. <laughs> <laughs> and becoming an unaware slave of the new world order. <laughs> Seriously, that was good. Thanks. You like the accent? I like the Huxley accent. Yeah. Go. I can't remember if that's his real accent. Are you trying to do that? Hey, see that, that kind of accent? No, it's like a half German one. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 will be in the next row. <laughs> anyway, guys, we need support more than ever. We really do. Um, if you've been on the fence, it's time to get off the fence. Support the show. Um, if you don't want to do it through PayPal, wait a week. Sign up for the Stripe. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, you know, let's roll in. Well, a week and a bit. It'll be December 1st. You can That's do the Stripe. Right. Yeah. Let's see if we can't double the support rate by fucking Christmas and uh, start building the defenses yeah. against these yeah. censoring bastards. Yeah. And we're still trying to get to 1% too. So We're still trying to get to 1%. Yeah. We'll get there soon. Look, I've seen a couple people quit PayPal today, but I didn't see them sign up for Patreon. <laughs> Oh, did you? A couple yeah. of our people quit PayPal? I think so. Really? Could be a coincidence. Huh. Well, that's the other problem we used to have with PayPal is all of a sudden people would say, well, PayPal told me that... Uh, you guys don't want my money. Yeah. I mean, how can a company just operate with glitches like that? Who knows? It's time to fucking shift. Let's get off that. Yeah. Anyway, grimerica.ca slash support, patreon.com slash grimerica, stripes coming soon. Sign up for one of those today. Sign up for the other one next week. Yeah, and we'll have some other options worked out in your future. We'll figure as well, something so. out. Yeah, we'll be on Pornhub if you can't find us anyplace else. That's a good idea. <laughs> Brody knows he's on there already. Brody knows. All right, guys. Little Brody knows. Enjoy the chat. <laughs> the one and only Thomas Hatzis.
All right, we kind of got a little Halloween episode here. We've got Thomas Hatsis, Hatsis back on. He's a lecturer, historian of witchcraft and magic and psychedelics and uh, medieval pharmacopoeia. La- last couple books uh, that he released, Microdosing Magic is a psychedelic spellbook and Psychedelic Mystery Traditions, Spirits, Plants, Magical Practices, Ecstatic States. Uh, it's really, really good to have you on. Looking forward to this one, Thomas. Good. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, kind of applicable too for Halloween. You know, we like to talk about some witchy, witchy things. And uh, man, we could go in all sorts of directions with this. I mean, I don't know, Darren, where do you want to start with this? Because, I mean, we can get into uh, to microdosing, the history of psychedelics that nobody really knows about. And well, let's fucking start magic there. Let's and- start, you know, I like some psychedelics. We can get into the witches later and the brooms and all that. I just, I've actually cor- corroborated your story with another witch expert. So I'm excited to talk about that. But cool. uh, the secret history of psychedelics, I mean, how can I say no? I'm a, a psychedelic enthusiast. So, yeah, let's start there. Excellent. What kind of psychedelics are we starting talking about? Probably psilocybin, I'm assuming. With regards to what? Well, I mean, we could be talking about uh, if you're talking about the history or the modern stuff. I mean, there's I heard a chat with you and um, and somebody who's developing um, Polly and Wally, like different types of new sort of contemporary oh, uh, contemporary ones. But then I've also heard you talk about, you know, you've kind of relabeled and recategorized some like mystiogens and pythiogens and stuff like that. I mean, we could go all over the place. I mean, maybe we should start in the past and then move forward to the future and we can, yeah, yeah. we so can kind of hit magic on the way through or, and magic and swerve. witchery on the way through. We can yeah. swerve to hit magic on okay. the way through. Can I ask a quick question though? Yeah. Did you just say uh Wally and Polly? Yeah. Oh, I, okay. So we know the same fellow. No, no. I just heard you talk. I watched your video with him. It was pretty uh, oh, interesting. Cool. Yeah. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I don't know what the fuck he's talking about. So, <laughs> Just so we're clear. There are new drugs I'm working on getting you, Darren, to test. Really? Polly and Wally. They sound pretty synthetic. They're, they're, yeah, they're, they're probably more synthetic than the psilocybin, right, Thomas? Oh, well, I mean, psilocybin isn't synthetic. Exactly. So. That's right. Like, I'm, <laughs> so it's not hard not to be. In my older so days, well <laughs> if it, in my older days I'm, uh, I'm a firm. If it don't grow, it don't go. Well, his the guy he was talking to on the video was really saying that there is a difference. It's there's a you can feel the difference between psilocybin or the the grown like there's something about the the spirit of the plant or the toad that makes it feel different than just one developed in the lab, right? I haven't tried toad. I tried synthetic toad, the five meo DMT. That's pretty good. Oh, is that is that synthetic toad? I've actually yeah. got some allegedly. Allegedly, uh, America podcast character Darren has some DMTs been waiting to try for a while, but he just, I don't know why I just haven't done it, but I, th- I feel like it's, it's, I said it was going to happen this summer, but maybe it'll be this winter, maybe on like the, uh, solstice or something. Sure. Was it, uh, is it NN or is it five MEO? I think it's NN. Okay, cool. Nice. Is I hear, I think the, is the five MEO better? Is that the better stuff? Well, I, different, I don't know not that better, one is but different. Necessarily better than the other. They're they're just they're kind of different. Um, at least for me, they were pretty different. And for most people that I've spoken to about it, they seem to be pretty, you know, different. 
What can I expect, allegedly? So, okay, the way I could put it like this. So with 5-MeO, I got to experience the Big Bang as a particle of light before anything existed. So pretty much all of space and time, I was actually able to wrap that around my head. Whereas with the NN, that was more just like Gaia showing me how the building blocks of the universe like was put together. And um, I'm not very good at engineering or math, so I don't recall most of it. But uh, so I would say that that's mostly the difference. Like with the NN, there was stuff to like work with, like planets and galaxies. And with the 5-MeO, it was just just light, really. <laughs> Not to sound too cliche, but it was just love and light. That's a I tough like choice. It. You got to do both. Yeah. P.O. Box. Um, hmm. You know, I like math and... I think I would, it almost sounds like the N and N would be like almost more of uh it'd be a good starter maybe, you know, like a little more based in reality. Would you put it that way or? I, I guess it's up for each person to decide uh, for themselves. Like I did it the other way. I did five MEO first and then I did the NN. So. Interesting. I mean, uh, I, it's, I was, oh. Sorry, my kitty cat's here. <laughs> That's okay. Graham loves cats. Um, so, yeah, it was, um, yeah, for some people, maybe it would be better to go with the NN first because, you know, it, it is a little bit closer to reality, as unreal as it is. Sorry, she's going across. Uh, whereas with the 5-MEO, it, it's just, you know, it's kind of like that ultimate reality experience. Was the universe warm? I don't recall things like warm or cold applying. Interesting. Hmm. What about in the N and N? Was there any sort of temperate feel there, or was it more like a physical place? I kind of you explore the inner space that is yourself like that that slice of the universe that is you that inner space you pretty at least for me that's what I went through but I, I haven't done it as many times as many other people have I've only done it once uh, looking forward to doing it again but uh, some people would definitely disagree and you know say they probably had much deeper experiences than the kind I've had I mean that's the thing with the, the these kind of uh, higher level uh, uh, spirit plants, they, they kind of do with you what they will. So, you know, for each person, they're all going to need something different. It's kind of like when you go to a restaurant and everybody orders something different on the menu. Interesting. Did it have, did either of them have any noticeable effect on your life? Like afterwards? Like, I mean, I've had, I've had, I mean, I had a, the first mushroom experience I had on the show, I would say was one of the ones that had, more of a profound impact on my overall outlook on life, but it was probably one of three or four sort of psychedelic experience that shaped, you know, your non-psych. I don't know what the what how to quite phrase that, but I think you know what I'm getting at. I, I, I know what you're getting at. So I would say definitely with the 5-MeO DMT, that more than anything else lessened my fear of death. 
I just, I feel like I've seen it at this point. <laughs> so it doesn't seem all that scary anymore. It's just, it just seems like this kind of uh, soup of light that you just kind of go back to. And it's just, everything is in it and it's all there. And uh, it's just an odd kind of sensation. But the, the oddest part was coming back from it and feeling like, wow, I've been there before. That was the crazy part. Well, the whole thing was not. Yeah. But um, yeah, so that was that was pretty big. Like, I mean, every now and then, of course, I have my fears. But, uh, you know, uh, most days I don't really fear death at all. I mean, I don't want to die young, but I don't feel actually dying anymore. So maybe we could start with a spot that I, I don't want to miss this this part. When I was listening to your talks, something really, uh, really hit me. Because we, we've got this evidence, this most of it's anecdotal, between people healing themselves through uh, the astral realm, whether it's like out-of-body experiences or, or lucid dreaming. But there's people, you know, people can go in and heal themselves. And I, I heard you talking about in the ancient times where people were using psychedelics to get to that realm to heal. Like it wasn't about these things being a pain reliever as much as it being a, like a, a gateway or, or a way to that realm to, to, uh, to heal. Maybe we could sort of start there and work our way, way back. Sure. So yeah, you're, you're referring to what was going on in the temples of Isis in ancient Egypt. Uh, one of the oldest medical texts we have extent, actually, I think the oldest one is called the Ebers papyrus. And in there, the author claims to have, um, received all of these different uh, potions and mixtures from the goddess Isis. And one of them is an opium and coriander potion. And uh, yeah, what you're saying is correct. People would go to these temples and drink these potions, not necessarily for the euphoric effects of the opium, although those effects were recognized and I'm sure they were appreciated, but that wasn't necessarily why you did it. You did it because it would put you into a deep, sleep where you would enter the spirit realm to meet Isis. And while there, she would heal you in your dreams or tell you how to heal yourself once awake. Now, this kind of experience I call a somnotheogenic experience, and it means generating divinity in your dreams. Um, hmm. uh, over uh, in Italy, we see evidence of it, too. At the bottom of a uh, Lake Bracciato, there's a city called La Marmota. We get the word marmot from Marmota. And uh, the diver excavators found what seems to be this religious room in dedication to a great mother. Uh, they also found a whole bunch of opium seed products uh, there as well. And, um, you know, perhaps this is a place where these somnotheo medicinal uh, uh, operations took place the way uh, they were doing it at the temples of Isis and later the temples of Asclepius as well. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. So how far do you think that that stopped uh, happening in, let's say, a couple thousand years ago or? Well, so it's weird because in the last time I was on, we talked about the witch's ointments, and it seems that those wise women were also having that kind of experience and meeting with fertility goddesses during the medieval times, the early modern period, the Renaissance period as well. Hmm. And I mean, uh, I'm sure I know some people that still 
engage in that kind of um, uh, spirituality today. So I think that it's been continuous through history. Yeah. With different, different, uh, different substances. Uh, sure. Yeah. Depending on what's available to people, I think. I mean, there's yeah. a general belief, uh, you know, some general kind of spiritual belief. And then you tailor, you know, whatever potential, you know, theogens or entheogens or psychedelics or whatever you want to call it, you know, to, you know, your area or what makes the most sense to you. And you, uh, you know, you work forward from there. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, that's interesting because I never really put together that. Entering that realm, that might be a way to. to I should see if I can you. fix my shoulder the next time I eat mushrooms. Well, there you go. You should. Yeah. I mean, well, I, think every, everything, I think everything. I think everything can be. You're gonna have to healed. come and coach me. Well, that's kind of what you I was said gonna you're ask. Never Thomas, gonna is, do it again, but is, I'm gonna drag you along. Is as if people need to be there with people, like like if people are doing this healing with a wise woman or a shaman or or. Um, even even well, going back can, to ISIS, is somebody there to guide them to do that, or are you, up, are you on your own, or do they just sort of? I wonder if they just. Well, tell Stamets you did it on his own. Remember, he like climbed that fucking tree. Paul Stamets ate all the mushrooms and cured his stutter. Yes, that's right. That's right. During the thunderstorm. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So true. Yeah, yeah. So, um, in some cases, so it, it kind of depends from one kind of mystery tradition to the next in the ancient world or whether you had a guide or not like at the rites of Eleusis, you absolutely had a guide to take you through the experience and others like the rites of trophonos uh, uh that the greek writer Pausianus uh, um writes about it, it seems as if you you know you were in the company of priestesses and priests and you would make the right sacrifices and adjurations but after you would drink the theogenic brew that's when you would be left alone. They would actually put you in this underground cave, like like almost like a crawl space. It sounds kind of scary, actually, but it's almost like you would be like put in this this coffin sized, you know, indent in the ground, and you would have visions of uh, Trophonos uh, mm. telling you whatever questions you know you were you were asking. So you know, there there was no guide at all. You were just kind of laying in this, you know, somewhat stuffy little you know insert in the ground and and having visions. Well, I mean, some people would say if you could just get your brain to shut the fuck up long enough that you can, you know, most of the answers are there. And that's what meditation and everything is sort of all about, is tapping into that, shutting everything off, which these psychedelics seem to be a, you know, like a speed speed jump or speed jump too. Well, they, they don't really shut your mind off, though, in that kind of way. I think maybe I, like, I just the saying, certain, like, like the certain parts, you know, like they're shutting off. Like it's like it's quieting. When I eat a bunch of mushrooms, they're shutting off something in my fucking brain that allows me to read, look at my phone and fucking understand what's happening. Because if I like pick up my phone in the middle of peeking out on mushrooms, there's no way like I it takes all of my fucking intent and focus to like read a text message or something like that. Because when I look at it, it's just like a fucking garbled mess. So, you know, and, oh. and I don't find it just with that. I found like, if I go to try and look at a computer screen or something like that, the same thing. And I remember one time I even noticed there was a difference between if someone had like an old tube television, I could look at, but if it was like the new LED or something like that, it was just a fucking clusterfuck. And you'd have to like really like reel it in. And like if you really focused on it, you could bring it in for a minute, but it's hard to do. It's like something's off there. A filter has been shut off. That's 
putting that together or something. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm curious why anyone would want to be looking at a phone while tripping in the first place. <laughs> but, well, yeah, exactly. That's your like, point. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, but dude, when I, when I, when I trip out, my phone is either off or on airplane mode or nowhere near like, Ew, yeah. Like, yeah, we were doing the show that. one time. We were doing a show on, on mushrooms. So we were like doing some Twitter oh, stuff wow, and really? stuff like that. And I remember looking at trying to like read a tweet on the phone and I was just like, you know, there's like, it just can't happen. Oh. I can read a paper. I can see that. But the phone, there's something going on with how the screen display is working. It just Gosh, doesn't, oh, no, it just I, doesn't I compute. I didn't realize that you were doing a show. Now, now it makes sense. There's a bit of a train wreck. <laughs> <laughs> No, well, I mean, it, fun, though. It, it does make me wonder <clears throat> with all that, the healing potential and I don't know, that's just, I, I can't, my mind just goes to the sort of the conspiracy part of it. Like there, whether it's, um, you know, this materialistic paradigm that we live in and the drug war and uh, big pharma and, and it just, it feels like there's an intersection there between, you know, true healing potential, the spirit realm and psychedelics. Yeah, there are. And I think the tide is kind of changing towards the side of good at this point. I mean, the, the FDA approved uh, psilocybin for studies uh, dealing with uh, PTSD and um, I think also depression. And up in Canada, I don't know where they're at now, but last year they were in phase two testing for MDMA hmm. to also uh, um, uh, um, treat PTSD and depression. Uh, we're also when you know, I don't know how many states here now, at least 13 of all legalized cannabis. I mean, it's not legal federally, but uh, even in states where it's not legal, nobody is really doing anything about it. Like, I'm from New you uh, excuse me I'm from New York and one time when I was visiting home you know there's some some uh cops stopped me because I was, I was smoking cannabis I was in Manhattan and you know just like you know don't be an idiot you know is what they wanted to say like don't do that but they didn't arrest me or anything they didn't bother me or anything like that so whereas in like 1999 I got in trouble for it you know so it's it, it seems like the, the the tide is turning, you know, because the the science is just all on our side. I mean, these these medicines are timeless, and they've been used, you know, by many people for thousands of years to heal all kinds of ailments, whether they be physical, mental, or spiritual. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, things have changed even since we've we had you on last, which was only a few years ago, probably. Uh, yeah. Probably half halfway through where we are now. On we're fucking legal now, and, and yeah, we're legal, and you guys are more legal, and they are doing these these um, this testing. So yeah, it has changed quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it, it, the tide is turning. I mean, I see I see what you're saying about the intersection of all those points, but I I do think that with that intersection and really with people looking for the truth, you know, not just what will satisfy them, but genuinely looking for the truth of these plant medicines and fungal allies where we're seeing that, you know, they're, they're really not too dangerous if you're not an irresponsible individual with them. I mean, if you have a heart problem, yeah, they, they could be da dangerous to you. If you have, you know, any kind of history of mental illness in your family, there's probably not a good idea. If you're on SSRIs, they're probably not a good idea. But if you're of sound mind and body, I mean, psychedelics are not really going to, it's not going to harm you really. Yeah. I mean, not just don't take too much, yeah. you know, obey the dose set and setting, um, have a good container. Don't, 
you know, don't some people I know some people that go out to like they'll eat mushrooms and like go to like hardcore shows and it's like they're okay, but it's like I would never do that, you know. So it, it responsible use goes from individual, you know, one individual to the next. So you gotta determine what's right for you. And if you wouldn't be comfortable doing it somewhere, geez, like don't do it at that place. Yeah. Oh my god. I couldn't imagine. I've I've ended up fucked up in some weird spots and it never goes well. Never. So this is part of the psychedelic re- renaissance you're talking about. I mean, and and now microdosing is a part of that. And um the stuff that we talked about earlier like Polly and Wally, like people, you know, making um I, I would so say what's that like tweaking of? tweaking uh tweaking the formula a little bit for probably for specific purposes or what do you What formula are they tweaking? Well, probably like MDMA and uh, oh yeah, what, that's did, what did they say it was like a a mix between MDMA, um, ibogaine, and uh, DMT or something like that. What Wally I, or Polly? Uh, I can't remember now. Okay, well, so 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 Polly is a legal form of MDMA. Okay, everything in it is actually legal. Oh wow, it's called Polly for pretend Molly. <laughs> uh, at least is my understanding of it. And uh, Wally is yeah closer to what you were talking about, where it's it's like ayahuasca and ibogaine, you know, all at once. <laughs> it's uh, and it lasts for quite a while. And if you have like if you're there's a certain kind of person that will actually get stuck in that state for a few days. The oh, so, gene, there's a certain gene. Fuck. There's a certain genetic expression, or somebody with a You'd certain gene. You'd be freaking gene. the fuck out. Yes, after. You just can't, can't yeah. deal with it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So that's what keeps me away from Wally. I've I, been there on acid and ecstasy. I don't know if I have that gene, and I don't want to find out the hard way. Yeah, yeah, I've been there on acid and ecstasy like twelve hours later. Where I'm like, yep, this is it. But I mean, how far away are we from this psychedelic limitless type thing, where you're going to take your DNA, you're going to take your genetic test, and you're going to see what you're predisposed to, and there'll be some sort of tailored Molly slash Polly for you to to microdose and, and get the maximum potential out of your creativity and your energy. I mean, are we, are we going to head there? Well, that's where some people are working towards. Uh, Thomas Ray over in, uh, I think it's uh, the university of Oklahoma. I know he teaches somewhere there, but he's really the, the pioneer in, uh, in these studies, these, these tailoring the, these different experiences to what, you know, works best for you. Um, he gave a talk on it last summer at the Shulgin House, which which I had the, the pleasure and privilege of getting to attend. And um, really, they're just looking for funding at this point to get this this entire thing going. So if anybody out there has a lot of money and wants to look up Thomas Ray, uh, he, he's a hell of a really excellent dude. He's very, very smart. And uh, he is completely revolutionizing the different ways uh, substances can be made and the kinds of experiences people can have with them. It's pretty safe to say that none of our listeners have a lot of money or that either that or they just don't like us very much. Sure. So, so how far away are we from something like that, that I mentioned, do you think like, you know, if things keep going the way they're going and you know, the tests are opening up and people are realizing, I mean, people are, I mean, I figure that some of the, you know, guys in Silicon Valley and some of the, Tech companies, these guys are microdosing, and it's happening at a corporate level. And meditation's a part of that as well. Like that, that in one hand could open things up quicker than we realize as well. I mean, if they're starting to do testing, so are we like a couple, a decade or two maybe away from some of that? Do you think? 
Well, we'll see what happens. Like with cannabis, it kind of snowballed. There was one state, then another, then another, and then everybody kind of goes, and then Canada goes. Yeah. Uh, the the world, as a, a a fellow from Scandinavia just told me yesterday, really looks to the FDA for their policies for their substance policies so hopefully the more liberal we get with them the more liberal they'll get around the world because the truth is if you're looking to actually help people then prison is not the like that that's not helping anybody and you know all the criminologists and the psychologists and uh medical professionals are all getting on board with this stuff and saying look if we really want to reduce crime and reduce poverty and just make the world better, then we, we do have to start looking into these kinds of plants as options. Here in Oregon and also in uh, California and in Colorado, we're, um, we're pushing a, a ballot initiative to get psilocybin mushrooms legalized here for you know therapeutic uses by 2020. Um, my guess is that not too long after that, once people see the progress, more states will go. We also have coming up in Washington, uh, which is looking to be a landmark case where a um, a certain individual, I can't really talk about it, but was is, is dealing with a psilocybin arrest that seems like it was very unjust and that the officer very much acted inappropriately, and we're trying to get a precedent set. Oh. And that's going to be happening uh, either this January uh, or this March. The The prosecutor keeps pushing it back because we're, we're going to win. <laughs> so um, so there's, you know, there's a lot of momentum uh, with all this, and now is really the time to keep it going and, and remind people that, you know, the, the, these plants and these uh, fungal uh, little teachers, they are our allies, and to uh, respect them and love them as such and, and uh, learn from them as such. Yeah, we, when Darren and I were driving Oregon through does uh, seem Oregon to have there. their shit together, man. I like it there. Portland's a little fucked. Are you in Portland? Yeah, I live in Portland. It's a little fucked. Sorry. You remember I was telling you that uh, it's only a matter of time before those little, you know, the little weed shops they have there. Yeah. In was that yeah. Washington? Or yeah, Oregon? it was and, Washington or Oregon well, or something. He said they were going to have mushroom shops. I still yeah, don't think that's coming but, anytime well, I mean, soon. He's talking about trying to get it legal for uh, That's for medical use, I mean, though. That means there's yeah, not going to be a shop on the side of the road with a big fucking <laughs> mushroom waving around like there is for cannabis. Well, it, like he said, it's only a matter of time from there. Washington and Oregon got cannabis fucking figured out, man. Canada fucked it up. It would it would oh, be a little fuck. different. Uh, you and wouldn't we ran be able out. to just get mushrooms on the side of the road. It would be you go to a facility and you have somebody that is a, a trained guide to take you through the experience. How long? Could, how long before a cafe on the side? Not a cafe. Like how how long before a store on the side of the road for different strains of mushrooms? I don't think that's coming. That's not coming. Um, you know what? Right now, whether or not that's coming. A, is not really pertinent. Uh, the, the focus is so much more on the, um, you know, these clinics and uh, getting them legalized for these purposes, for healing purposes. Yeah. When the, you know, when and if the, uh, the, the stands, the mushroom stands on the side of the road come, you know, that, that's, <laughs> you know, maybe one day that'd be great. You know, of course, of course, that'd be Drive great. Through, but, baby. Uh, right now, you know, baby steps. That's after the claps when we're podcasting Mad Max style. <laughs> fucking. Yeah, right. Yeah, rolling around broadcasting on AM, eating fucking side of the road mushrooms. Fuck yeah. Nobody oh. gives a fuck because you're just no, you flying. Can swear, you can right. swear like a okay, motherfucker. Else. It's all yeah. good. Nice. Yeah. Um. Cool. I don't know. 
Yeah, so, well, let's I talk can't about... I for uh, the fucking... You know, Armageddon mushroom driving around sounds all right sometimes. As long as I get to pick who comes. Yeah, well, it's not for me. I'm not joining on your mushroom trips anymore. I told you. That was the last How one. How are you going to guide me on my healing? That's, you can How are you going to guide else? me on my healing? <laughs> nope. Okay, there will not be a Grimericus Psilocybus 3 unless you guys can convince Graham. You know his email address, com. We'll see what we can do. Maybe we can get Thomas to join us. We'll do it now in Oregon. Hell yeah. High desert, baby. Ooh, I love it out in Seaside, too. We were, out, we were just out in Gearheart last, uh, in May. Fuck, it's too bad we could have met up. Yeah, we we're going to actually be going out uh, to the coast and uh, getting some mushrooms. Now's the time. Uh, after Spirit Plant Medicine Conference this weekend, we're going to head out. Tis the season. Careful on that road. That's a fucking sketchy road. Where's the Spirit Plant Medicine Conference? In uh, British Columbia, Vancouver. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you're coming up to Canada? Yeah, yeah. Don't tell him you smoke weed. What's that? <clears throat> Don't tell him you smoke weed. Okay. Actually, I think that's just going the other way. I was reading a story today that some couple in Saskatchewan admitted to smoking weed in the past at the border crossing, and they got denied entry into the States. Really? So they're saying to watch what you say at the border. Which goes back to my thing. If anyone at the fucking, if anyone official ever asks you if you smoke weed, you fucking say no, period. We're not yeah, there sure. yet. We're not at that point yet. You know what I mean? We're like, I mean, I've heard of multiple cases of people, Canadians trying to get into the States, even from having a medical card in Canada and going into a legal state and being denied entry. And then not only that, you're not just denied entry. You're like fucking blacklisted. Mm. You're a pot smoker. You're out. Well, okay. Well, thanks for the tip. I definitely will uh, say that I do not smoke cannabis. <laughs> That's right. Just do me a favor. Release this episode after this weekend. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we will. <laughs> I didn't release it this weekend, and I'm going to tag the border crossing that you'll be using in it. I wonder if they have a Twitter account. There's Just another, another one of that. our guests. We'll is, release uh, it in like three weeks when you're safely back. Yeah. Yeah, one of our other guests will be our James Jessel, probably. He's, uh, I think he's, uh, Cal- or he's lived in Calgary for a while, and he's doing some similar stuff to you. Um, pretty good. It's just a matter of time until we get shut down at the border. Knock on wood. So what? let's get into the more of that sort of Halloween-y <coughs> stuff, the witches and the magic. I mean, you've got, how about your book? Uh, how did you come about writing the microdosing magic book, and what does that have to do with uh, microdosing? So when I... Uh first wrote the witch's ointment and was touring around america uh-huh. and in um in the uk as well uh, during the q a sessions the questions would repeatedly like just all the time go from questions about history and what i was actually talking about and go towards my personal just beliefs and practices and what i do with psychedelic magic and more so about what uh what kind of microdosing practices i have so it got to a point where enough people asked me this that i was like all right i I should just write a a, a little book about this because it won't take very long because this is just stuff that i do you know there's really no research that has to go into it i just have to write what my practices are and uh yeah i just put it out there for uh, people to check it out to see um you know, just what makes microdosing magic different from just microdosing? Because microdosing is great. It, it's a, microdosing is fantastic for you, but 
It's um, I liken it to a healthy diet and exercise. Um, microdosing is like having a healthy diet. Having a healthy diet is very good for you. Whether you exercise or not, a healthy diet is good. Magic is like exercise. You exercise, even if you don't have a healthy diet, if you're exercising, that's good for you. So both those things, healthy diet and exercise, are good for you independent of the other. But what happens when you put the two together? Allegedly. The same thing happens when you put microdosing and magic together. It's, uh, you, you get more out of the, uh, the practice. What are the, what are the most noticeable, um, non magic effects from microdosing that, that stand out? Definitely more energy, um, better mood, a lot of mood enhancement and, uh, creativity, especially like if you, if you work in some kind of creative problem-solving vocation, uh, microdosing is, is showing to be really uh, effective. Uh, you had mentioned before the um, uh, people microdosing in Silicon Valley. I mean, there are other people also, there are screenwriters microdosing in L.A., you know, and in New York. And so they're most likely, most likely have, uh, we have people microdosing in Washington, D.C. Now, nobody can talk about it, of course, but there probably are some people there that are doing it. Think anyone in Washington? Yeah, he just said D.C., like D.C.? D.C., you meant D.C.? I wasn't sure if you were in Washington State or D.C. Oh, yeah, no, Washington, D.C., yeah, Washington, D.C., Probably like the AIDS and stuff. Hey, they're stuck working fucking 20 hours a day in the grinder. Just fucking like, yeah, man, give me some more of that psilocybin powder. What's, uh, I've heard like a 10 different ways to do it. Like a 10th of a gram once a day or a quarter of a gram for four days and then take three days off. And they all seem to have some sort of rest period in there. Have you come across sort of the, the, the ultimate, ultimate technique or, or schedule? So, okay. Yeah. Excuse me. Um, so you you have different experts have different suggestions on holding a microdose schedule, and you 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 made a, you you referenced a few of them. Uh, notably, there's Paul Stamets uh, who says Monday through Friday, taking Saturday Sunday off. Um, for me, and what I show in my book, Microdosing Magic, is I like to set my microdosing cycles to magical intentions by making what I call dose symbol cycle graphs, which is just kind of like graphing out a certain symbol. And on each one of those days on the graph paper, that's when I'll take my dose. And I'll use things like sacred geometry or Germanic runes. Because, uh, like, one of the things with Germanic runes is each letter in, in medieval German has a corresponding idea to it. So we would look at, let's say, an R letter X. Uh, in medieval German, there's also the letter X, but it also means generosity. It's the symbol for generosity. So if you're trying to run a, a microdose schedule, uh, thinking of ways to just be better you know, uh, towards your friends and neighbors and just a more giving person, you might make your schedule base it off of the rune for generosity. Uh, you see what I'm saying? Like, yeah, so that's yeah. how I go about it. And, and again, that would be a, a major difference between just microdosing and microdosing magic, really ah, focusing yeah. your intention 
on what you want to get done with that microdosing schedule. Like that's like I whenever I microdose, I microdose with intention. Like I've never just microdosed for the sake of it. It's just there's an intent. There's something I'm trying to get done. There's this a task I'm trying to complete. Mm-hmm. What about lunar cycles or seasonal changes, that kind of thing? What's Wait, that? like? What about lunar cycles or matching it up with uh, astrology, that kind of thing? Like, you know, uh, you know, external energies and. So my that that's a great question. My partner uh, would be a much better <laughs> person to answer it because she actually knows about astrology. Uh, my my uh, witchy traditions are from a different place, and I don't really deal with astrology at all. Um, I mean, there's a little that play in in my book uh, mm-hmm. with one particular spell, but um, I wouldn't consider myself like an expert, you know, or an astrologer in any way. Uh, it was just a, a certain way of a hexagram. You know, I was talking about those symbol cycle graphs. This is a certain way a hexagram cycle just ends up working out, tells a, a story of how the sun wed the moon to give birth to creativity. Okay. So speaking of the sun wedding the moon on the eclipse to give birth to creativity... Oh, I forget. <laughs> the intention <laughs> <short-term> were. <memory. laughs> There's that short term memory thing again. Long term memory, off the charts. Short term well, memory. Little also shaky. helps short term memory loss. So really? That's another oh, perfect. Yeah, it can go. combat the other microdosing. Um, intention. We're talking about intention, using magic while microdosing. Um, is that intention strictly magical? Like, are you doing it just to. to to pull things from the universe or are you doing it all like, Oh man, I got this deadline. I got to get 50 pages written by the end of the month. So I'm going to do a microdosing schedule to help me productively. Or is it more of a, you know, I need fucking, I need the universe to help me out here because this thing's coming up and I need to have this happen by then. So. Well, what I do uh, within my magical system is I use my microdosing to align my intellect, my will, and my emotion, uh, which are the three um, immaterial forces, the three spiritual forces that make up the four gifts that we all have, the fourth gift being action. Uh, Action, the most important, Mm. is your ability to take your intellect, emotion, and will and fashion it into something otherwise known as magic. So it's, I don't, I mean, I don't really do deadlines <laughs> very well. So uh, I wouldn't say that I'm, I'm doing it for the sake of a deadline ever, but I do microdose, you know, to just align my, my intellect, emotional will so that when I take action, the, the best version of myself can be produced at that time. Interesting. That's really so what it almost like magic it. is about. Holds, yeah, your, that, holds your ego back a little bit. Oh, yeah. Like, I have a whole chapter in the book. Chapter five is called uh, uh, Microdosing Spells to Unasshole Yourself. And it's all just about these different ways of what I call tempering your ego, not killing your e- ego, because, you know, you don't want to kill your ego. Like, that's, you know, then you're, you know, a vegetable. But, you know, you should, you know, we should be tempering our egos so that, uh, yeah, we can really see our our intellect, emotion, and will for what they really are without the, um, just the blockages that can come with ego. So yeah, that's a, I would agree with that totally, man. What are some of the ways you do that? So, uh, one of the ways I would say is on, so let's say I'm running a D what I call a de no, de cycle. 
Sorry, it's kind of hard to say sometimes, but a deacetylification cycle on the certain days. So the um, the the microdose schedule that I'll I'll use will be an upside down A because an upside down A is the opposite of an asshole. Hold on a second. Sorry, my kitty just wants to stretch. And uh, what's on his name? Each of those. What's that? What's his name? Uh, we don't have a name for her yet, this little oh. girl. Can we name Not her yet. now? Um, if it's a good one. All right, I like uh, Harriet. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking Polly or something. Polly, Polly. Unity. Anyway, Unity. There you go. So, um, oh, sorry. Uh, where were we before the? Uh, you were uh, you were actually uh, you were com- going into the sigil part of your uh, unassholing. Oh yes, exa- thank you. So uh, one of the things that I do on those days of uh, deassholification is you don't use the word I for an entire day. So you don't say I want this or I used to think or I want that. Uh, you'll notice two things very quickly if you do this. Uh, one, you're going to have to come up with some very creative ways to say sentences, and two. When your friends come to you seeking advice, most of the time you're just using it as you, uh, excuse me, using it as an excuse to talk about yourself. So you, I bet you inserted we a lot in there and let's that kind of thing. You ever you, yes, you do third person? Just working. <laughs> Thomas does Thomas thinks you're Tom. crazy. <laughs> no, and you also it, it really you you stop and think about your sentences fully before you say them. That, yeah, that's ooh, another. That would really help me out. Yeah, that would help everybody out. I'm on like a three week in a row streak of getting myself in trouble with things I say on the podcast. Only three weeks. Wow. Yeah, that's not bad. 312 episodes. I'm gonna see if I can get a little streak going. Yeah, I. I get in trouble for things I say almost every day. So <laughs> you're, you're lucky. You're very lucky. So, so that's, that's a good, really good point. So you, you, you incorporate sigils a little bit in there. Anything else like uh, any other techniques from the traditional magic realm? Like, uh, you know, maybe even, maybe even uh, affirmations or some basic kind of uh, law of attraction type stuff at all. Not really law of attraction stuff, but I do uh, think it's important to use uh, symbols that work for you and resonate with you. So, like, for example, my pantheon of energies, if we can call it that for lack of a better term, is uh, are named, oh, excuse me, uh, is named after, you know, different um Greco-Roman goddesses and gods because I, I'm Greek and, and Italian and that they're just the ones that speak the most to me. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, I'm other things too, but I'm predominantly Greek and Italian. And, um, so yeah, to use symbols that work for you. And also just on that, like, uh, to have that kind of naturalistic occultism kind of thing going on where you, you know, you do the things that work for you. If, if something isn't working for you, then, Definitely ditch it. And if, if somebody, if a friend of yours is saying like, oh, but it works great for me, that's great. <laughs> that's great that it works for your friend. It might not be working for you. Go with the symbols that work for you. And that's a lot of what microdosing magic is all about. It, it's it's finding, you know, you, you are a slice of the cosmos. You are a microdose of the universe. So get in touch with that. <laughs> yeah. So you know, that would be. Well, sorry, well, sorry to get personal and all that and, and sort of get deeper into that, but do you have um, do you have any daily rituals or any rituals that, that 
that transcend uh, your schedule that you just, your microdose schedule that you do every day anyways, or do you have an altar? Do you get into any, do you have stuff like that going on as well? Sure. Well, that behind me, that's my altar. Or yeah. At least part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yes, I have an altar and, uh, I use it wisely. I kind of noticed um, that behind you there. What's that? I kind of noticed your, uh, your the stuff behind you there. It's nice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Thank you. And, uh, so yeah, like I have, uh, certain things that I do. Uh, I actually just did today, um, that deal with, um, it's just a general adjuration to Gaia and a reminder of, you know, to have, uh, you know, general gratitude in life, even when things don't go your way, actually, especially when things don't go your way, uh, which can be very tough, you know, uh, life is, is, can be very crushing. So, you know, having these magical techniques, at least for me, has, has served a, a very useful, you know, purpose and, and so much more than that. I mean, my, my, my spiritual beliefs are based around it as well. And, uh, they, they also have carried me through some pretty tough times and, you know, and, and I know that might not jive with some people, um, but you know, that's cool. You know, you gotta, again, you gotta do what works for you. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Have you picked up a lot of it in your research of the historical uses of, of the stuff? Uh, historical uses of psychedelics. Yeah, like how much oh, of that? How much of that? Like, is are you incorporate or not? How much of it? But obviously, you're using some of that to in your daily or in your you know your personal personal practice that kind of thing. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, so there before I got really deep into using psychedelics with spirit, like in spirituality, around when I was about eighteen, I just had a general kind of spiritual nature. Um, about me. And, um, uh, after psychedelics, I kind of honed my practice a little bit more and got into the creative side of spirituality, the creative side of divinity, uh, with writing songs and poems and things like that. Uh, I'd been writing songs and poems before that since I'm like 13 years old, but they got, you know, they definitely took on a different style, um, from, from my earlier work. And uh, then when I started getting studying the history of it all around 2005, that's when I really honed it in and focused in on what a lot of these kind of um, fertility goddess worshippers of medieval times were doing and uh, Gaia worshippers of ancient Greece and just mixing some of their ideas into uh, some of my ideas and also some uh, Dionysian ideas. I, I think that there's something to be said about, um, you know, revelry enhanced with uh, psychedelics. Uh, I, I am quite fond of building a nice big bonfire in the woods or on a beach and inviting some friends and, you know, taking some mushrooms and dancing around and getting naked like that, you know, playing guitars and drums and what have you. That kind of practice, that kind of, you know, spiritedness is very uplifting. Yeah. So I don't I don't necessarily always separate the sacred from the profane with that word recreational. Now, again, recreationally, you should be careful, of course, and you definitely shouldn't drive after you take a psychedelic. And again, you, you if you're the kind of person that wouldn't do good at a bonfire like that, you shouldn't show up to that. You know, whereas the kind of friends I have, they, they would be all too happy. You know, they like showing up to that kind of stuff. So it's, you know, there's something to be said, I think, about, you know, uh, spirited uh, celebra celebrations and, uh, you know, that, that community revelry is, I think, really good for people. Yeah. 
And then, and then, so the difference between that book that you talked about that's a little more personal and the psychic uh, mystery traditions or the psychedelic mystery tra traditions, um, do you want to talk about a little bit about the difference in that? And, and did, did that one lead to the other one a little bit? I mean, you mentioned the witch's ointment one leading to, leading to your um, psychedelic spell book. But uh, how did the other one play into that? Oh, no, no, no. Uh, um, so the witch's ointment led to not to uh, microdosing magic, a psychedelic spell, but it's what led to psychedelic mystery. Oh, OK, OK, OK. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, it essentially just psychedelic mystery traditions grew out of the of the witch's ointment. It was just parts that had been cut that couldn't be put into the larger book or no. When you're, when you're writing a book, you have to pick and choose and edit all this stuff out. And I realized it's like, oh, with a little bit more work, I have, you know, th there's a book here. So I just finished writing that book, you know, that, that would have been The Witch's Ointment. It's kind of a prequel to The Witch's Ointment. It, it explains almost everything that happened up to, you know, The Witch's Ointment. It's showing like the, the kind of like back catalog of how uh, priestesses and seers and uh, prophetesses and priests and what have you all used these kinds of plants uh, in the ancient world and the ancient Mediterranean world. So I mostly focus on the West, like Egypt and uh, Greece and Rome. Yeah. Yeah. That's what caught me when I was listening to you talk about it is how much there was that I didn't realize was going on before, before then, like before the, the medieval times, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I didn't either, really, until I started looking back at the um, doing uh, research for the witches' ointment. I came across ancient laws that would mention things like mandrakes specifically by name, you know, and uh, you know, banning it. It's like, oh wow, okay, so they they knew about this and they knew what it could do to the point where there was a law against it. <laughs> uh, you also have another guy named Zosimos the alchemist who was complaining that uh, certain people were using cannabis. Uh, in their magical rites. So, you know, as a historian, I have to say, well, if there's usually if there's somebody complaining about somebody doing something, it probably means it's because that person was, you know, there were people doing that thing. Yeah. So, yeah, you, you have a, a couple of these little glimpses in the ancient world uh, that just show not, you know, I don't want to make it sound like all of the ancient world and all of magic and spirituality in the ancient and medieval worlds rested in, in psychedelia because they, they certainly did not. Uh, just to show that there are these same traditions in the West that go back thousands of years. Yeah, 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 that's fascinating. I think, you know, there's a whole, there's a whole sect that thinks all of, uh, all of, Christianity is based on psychedelic cults. Oh, yeah, yeah. You've done. If you quite look a bit at of, like the Mark Allegro stuff, you've right? done quite a bit of work on that too, right? I, <laughs> the the I mushroom have, symbolism have, and kind of debunking that whole thing. And that was that was fascinating to hear to hear that too. I, I kind of agree with you on all that. Oh well, thank you. Um, yeah the uh, the whole uh, holy mushroom, sacred mushroom, mushroom and Christian art thing is it, just really based on a very big misunderstanding about how medieval history operates and how biblical history operates and how the New Testament evolved over time. And the people who push the theory have very much largely ignored the primary sources and the even the, the secondary source scholarship that, that digs into all this stuff. And one of the things that I found uh, rather fascinating as I 
wrote more for uh, psychedelic mystery traditions, because I, I have three chapters on how Christians used uh, psychedelics in that book, uh, none of which, uh, of any of those ways, I should say, have anything to do with um, painting mushrooms in art. And uh, Christians, you will find, were rather open about these experiences. They didn't mind writing about them or discussing them. So, it, it doesn't make sense that they would discuss opium and cannabis and mandrake and henbane and never say anything about mushrooms or painting them in art. Yeah. The the people that make that claim are, are not, again, I, I, they're, they're smart people. They're very smart people. My A very good friend of mine, Jerry Brown, who I think wrote the best Governor. book on the topic, The Psychedelic Gospels, I mean, I, I disagree with him, but he's, you know, he he's using anthropological methods to answer a historical question, and you can't do that. It would be like trying to use a hammer and nails to paint a picture. There's nothing wrong with a hammer and nails, and there's nothing wrong with painting a picture. It's just that you need paints and a brush to paint a picture. You use a hammer and nails to make tables and chairs. And if you try to use one to make the other, I mean, and, and the other, it goes the other way. You can't use paint brushes and, uh, and paints to make a table or a chair. It just doesn't work. So while his argument, Jerry's argument, is anthropologically sound, it isn't historically valid. Uh, he can point to many different um, cultures. Indeed, we all can point to many different cultures that uh, had knowledge of and used these psychedelics for entheogenic purposes. No doubt about that. But that doesn't mean that you could just throw that onto every single kind of culture. Um, Christians were using psychedelics. They just weren't painting them in art. Uh, the, the iconography, is, it does not show mushrooms. They show trees. Trees, just like mushrooms, can have bulbous tops, and they're on trunks, which are long, like the stems of a mushroom. Uh, these people just they don't know what they're looking at because they have not studied medieval Christian art or medieval Christianity or New Testament history or any form of discipline that one would need to actually take this question seriously. Can you explain a little bit? I, I'm a little confused over how he can't... Uh how it can be anthropology anthropologically sound but not historically sound like how what do you mean what do you mean by that like sure. how, how can sure. one be one without the other Sure. That's a great question. So with anthropology, you're going and you can ask people that are still alive what it is that they think about something. So as, as just one example, uh, in Jerry's book, he uses as a source uh, a tour guide that was at um, uh, one of the, uh, the the sites where he photographed to, to make his case that, that supposedly he would say shows a mushroom, I would say shows a tree. And that doesn't count because that guy is a tour guide. That guy is not an expert in medieval art or medieval art history. And of course he's going to say that that's a mushroom because this is a sm the small little uh, area of Meringue, France, where you know, they don't get many tourists. This is the only thing they have. So, of course, he's going to go along with it and say it's a mushroom. Right, right. You know? So, um, so anthropologically, also, you can look, Jerry's looking to other areas of the world. So his book, like the first, the whole first part of his book, uh, he's talking about uh, Mesoamerican shamans. He's talking about uh, Siberian shamans. He's talking about uh, tests that took place in the United States during the 1960s. He's going all over the world, except the only place he isn't going to, to make his case, is medieval Europe. <laughs> but if you're looking at medieval European art, 
you have to see it in its cultural context. He's seeing it in all these other cultural contexts. And that you you can do that anthropologically, sure, but you don't get to say that because all these other cultures, you know, revered psychedelics that these people in this part of France also did. That's anthropology. A historian goes back and looks at the evidence and sees, well, is there anything that would demonstrate that these people knew about this or were secretly painting mushrooms in Christian art. And when you really look into it, you find that there's nothing there. It's just a lot of misunderstandings uh, made by those who promote the theory. Yeah, that's a good explanation. Yeah, thanks. How dare you? No, that was good. I like it. I haven't looked into the really mark uh, to that yet. I've, you know, I've almost bought that book like four times, but it's fucking expensive. So I never have. And now, you know, maybe I don't need to. <laughs> what, the sacred mushroom and the cross? Yeah. Oh, it's so the sacred mushroom and the cross. It's funny. It's one of my favorite books ever. It's everything I ever wanted to read in a book. I absolutely, I, I read it five times, like almost six times, but definitely five solid times. I loved it. It's a great book, but reading it, you'll see what I'm talking. I mean, it's word salad. I mean, I, I enjoyed it in my youth, <laughs> but as, as you know, somebody that's now trained in history, I, I can, it's very far fetched. It's a lot of fun and it's it's intriguing, but it's not sound history. Like there's there's no uh, Allegro applied no sound historical methodology whatsoever uh, in in writing the book. So, but it's a great book. It's fun. There you know. There you have it. The more you know. So what about uh, so you're trained in history? Yes. Um, what do you think about some of that history stuff and some of the Gobekli Tepe that's coming up and, and stuff like that? Do you think, uh, what's your, I suppose, what's your take on the timeline? Is someone trained in history? What's your take on the current timeline of human history? Like advanced human history or? Just human history. Just human history. Don't lead the witness. Well, um, <laughs> I, I, I should say that uh, my, my focus in history as a trained historian is, is, on, uh, is in uh, medieval uh, pharmacopoeia psychedelic use in the ancient world. Um, oh, okay. You know, I, I don't, let, me, let me just say that I don't know anything at all about Japanese history. I don't know anything about Brazilian history. I don't know anything about Russian history. Like, well, I know a little bit about Russia, but not like, you know, with, with history, it's, it's a, you know, you, you, when you get a master's, you, you, you focus in, in specific areas. Uh, so I don't I couldn't tell you the breadth. My take on human history would be uh, it's getting better. So hang in there. Do you guys <laughs> hang in there? I heard that from a cat like fucking 20 years ago. It's been like the defining yeah, point of yeah, my that, life. Yeah, um, what do you think about. Um, do you guys ever have like parties where you guys are all like have your masters and you're super specialized in these single points of history. Like we need to get you guys all together in one room. So we have like every point at the table and then we'll give you guys a bunch of mushrooms and we'll see what you come up with. <laughs> we'll give you a weekend. Um, I don't know if that's ever taken place, but that'd be great. If it did take place, it probably took place in the 1950s at some point or the 1960s, but that'd be great. I mean, I'd be, I'd be into it. So what about, um, where's the difference between that and like the MK ultra use of psychedelics where they're just like dosing the fuck out of people with LSD and all this lab made stuff? Well, one is consensual. The other is not, and one, <laughs> you know, 
when when you have all the information and you know what you're getting into and you're not you know in in a in a very bleak place like a psych ward you know and and the other is the opposite of all that so i think there's a big difference i wonder i was just reading i, I was i've been going on Dan's been going down that rabbit hole lately about that uh, mkl trend lsd so it's crazy yeah, yeah crazy, it is, fucking it crazy. well i mean that probably held back the you know that held back the uh, proactive part of the research for a couple of decades probably you know just messing around with all that shit it's terrible um yeah, it was terrible, some of it. I mean, outside of, of um, the CIA-funded labs, you, you know, you had people doing legit research and some illegit research, uh, and it's a shame that they, they, the, the hammer kind of came down on all of them. So, yeah, yeah. you know, that's why today we have to have pretty, you know, strict uh, measures uh, when working with these things and not really just kind of throw them out to people the way some researchers did in the 60s like timothy leary like that that really uh contributed to the hammer coming down on everybody yeah not just putting mushrooms out on the side of the road on the streets you know yeah, streets. You, can't just exactly. be, you can't just be selling exactly. mushrooms to podcasters on the side of the road ground not even in oregon so we've covered lots of stuff here thomas pretty much everything i wanted to cover i think and and that's uh do you have anything you want to let's go yeah that's what i mean anything you were missing out for people or no, this was a lot of fun. Yeah, good. Right on. Any any witchy stories for Halloween? Do you think that the border should just be open? <laughs> What's that? <laughs> no, don't don't. Nothing. I'm just trolling Graham. Graham got into a political chat with, with the last guest, so I, I like teasing him. Oh, it's an it's an inside joke. So oh, you and Ephraim are both in Portland, man. We'll have to meet up with you the next time we're down there. Yeah, please do. I seem to end up in Portland once or twice a year somehow. Sure. Usually on my yeah. way to the ocean. You guys are like the closest. The closest fucking open ocean is like seaside. Before that, it's like that big fucking islands in the way. Yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah, whatever you're down. We'll do a little festival down there. Maybe we'll eat mushrooms on the beach. Dance. Sounds wonderful. Ground could chap. That sounds great. Absolutely. That sounds great. I don't know if Darren Let's can handle get getting naked on the beach on mushrooms. No, I'll be fucking gone. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy your conference this weekend, and uh, yeah, enjoy your time in Vancouver. Hey, maybe you're bumping in some Americans there. We got a bunch yeah. of listeners in BC. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, cool. have a good cool. have a good trip, and we'll put all the links in the show notes and stuff. And uh, yeah, continue the the awesome work. Great, thank you. Thank you yeah. so much for uh, being cool with the the time mess up. Oh yeah, yeah no, it's, it's all no good, man. We fuck that shit up on a constant basis. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we usually were it's usually we it's were, us. So it's we nice would have been late. You'd have been waiting for us. We, so. Yeah, we were we were late anyway. So awesome. Right on, All right, buddy. Great, All right. Yeah. Time. Thanks okay, for thanks coming out. Come back thanks. anytime. All right. Yeah. Now's a chat with uh, Thomas Hatzes eating shrooms and riding brooms. That's his email <laughs> signature. I no. love it. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Huh? You don't believe me? Yeah, I believe you. I don't think you do. I believe you. No, I don't think you do. It's fine. That was good. I haven't really thought about uh, microdosing and magic together. It's pretty cool to to go there. You should. We should try. We should it. try it. Yeah. What would I try and magic? I'm not trying. Together? I'm not doing any of that stuff. But you can go ahead. Well, you can. You can be the guinea pig for all that. See? Oh Jesus! There you go. There you go. <laughs> Next time, just throw him in Graham's water. <laughs> we'll fucking MK Ultra this motherfucker right on the podcast. Uh, next thing you know, I'll be fucking. 
Next thing you know, I'll be sending fucking bombs spelt wrong with the addresses and kind of crazy stuff like Graf that. Graf just fucking falls off the face of the earth after he gets fucking... He disappears. Okay, ultra to six no doses yeah. acid. Yeah. It's just... Yeah, that would be the it. You're the interviewer. We can't do the show without you. I'd almost be like you on the front line, you know, without, thinking I'm dying. Without my wit. <laughs> my wit's useless without your interview skills. That's it. We'd be finished. Oh. Support the show before that happens. America.ca slash support and the Stop Us from Dope and Gram Fund. No, just kidding. We would never do that. Yeah, and even though it's later outside. on, it's kind of We're like go down to Cash episode. Corner and hire someone episode. and get him to eat like 10 hits of acid on the podcast. All right, guys. We're not we're actually going to do that. We're just saying that. It's not something we're actually going to do. We do not condone that. Any other disclaimers you want to throw in there? Nah. Okay. Got it all covered. Support the show. Grammarica.ca slash support. Do all the shit in the show notes. Grammarica.ca slash FM is a radio station. And uh, yeah. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.
we had the new moon, dark sky, which is great. <laughs> had a plan camping, pitched our tent, went back there for the night. Crystal clear. Darkest night. So I had to read that meditation, did the singing bowl, and that shit starts happening. Pow, pow, pow. We started seeing flash bulbs. Streakers coming down. Graham Dunlop is the he said it star. Graham Dunlop is the he said it star. Blubbity, blubbity, blah. Can we oh, tell can, Alex? Oh, you little... fucking fuck. <laughs> Honestly. Can we tell Alex that we're a little late? Can it be a little late before we start? Or just tell him as we go? I'll text him. Okay. Are you done? <laughs>